It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You might be a Republican voter in an overwhelmingly Democratic district. Or someone who leans blue in a deep red state. In our current system, it's easy to think that in that case, your vote is thrown away and the outcome doesn't reflect what many voters want. Can we change the way we vote so that fewer people think their choice doesn't count? The case for ranked choice voting. Rob Ritchie. We're really in this winner-take-all environment. It's incredibly tense. And it's and the stakes seem very high in every cycle. It's getting worse. And I actually don't have a reassuring message that things are about to get better. I don't think they are until we really tackle the root cause of what's going on. And I think the root cause is winner take all single choice elections. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? In our elections, the winner doesn't have to get a majority of the votes cast. It's the person who gets the most votes, even in a crowded field with four or more candidates. And critics of our current form of voting say this system is one reason why there's so much negative campaigning and low voter turnout. But there's an alternative that's gaining ground. Ranked choice voting is now being used in more than 30 cities and two states. Supporters say using it is a way to build confidence in our democracy at a time when more Americans are disillusioned with our political system. Rob Ritchie is president and CEO of Fair Vote. This nonprofit group campaigns for voting reform, especially ranked choice voting. Rob joins us from Tacoma Park, Maryland. Thanks for being on How Do We Fix It? Thank you, Jim. How does ranked choice voting work? Give us an example. It gives the voter a chance not only to just put an X next to one candidate, no matter how many candidates are running, but to say, you know what? That candidate is my first choice, but I'm looking at several other candidates, and this other candidate is my second choice, another candidate is your third choice. So that's a ranked choice as opposed to the typical single choice ballot. So in other words, you rank your preferences and the first place candidate doesn't actually win until he or she gets more than 50% of the votes. Correct. But when you're electing one person, like for mayor of New York or the Virginia Republicans used it to nominate their uh, nominee for, for governor, Glenn Youngkin. Um, and in those contests, you know, no one won a majority of the first choices. So those were the votes. You count them up in the first round. And in both instances, uh, 
you know, about two thirds of voters voted for someone else than the candidate who wasn't first. So you say, okay, well, the candidate in last place, sorry, you're in last, you're out. And then those person's ballots, you examine them, you move them to your second choice. And so you have one fewer candidate, same number of votes counting. And as you keep going, you sort of rinse and repeat, you get to a point where a candidate surpasses 50% of the vote. And at that point, if they have more than half the votes, then they have one, they are, they're the most representative candidate. When you get down to two, you always have a head to head sort of what's called an instant runoff. So sometimes this system has been called instant runoff voting. And what's cool about it is, is that this is a nonpartisan reform and support for ranked choice voting is growing in, in both parties, right? Correct. And it, you know, it's actually in Robert's rules of order, right? It's used in a lot of just private organizations, uh, lots and lots of associations. We're up to about, I don't know, 100 colleges and universities use it. In the United States, it's moving in Utah, very bipartisan support, and Virginia with bipartisan support. You know, it's not always winning with bipartisan support, but collectively, we are seeing that all over the country. And for an idea that was once kind of the province of wonky, good government types, it seems that there are quite a few locales around the country that are are giving it a shot. You mentioned Virginia and Utah, also the New York mayoral race. Where else are people trying to implement some version of ranked choice voting? The biggest elections are in Maine and Alaska. They've adopted it for the presidential elections and for their U.S. Senate, U.S. House, all their primary elections in Maine, like for governor and state legislature and Congress. Then we're up to more than 50 cities um, have adopted ranked choice voting. We keep seeing that number growing pretty pretty quickly. Um, we had 32 elections using it last November and two years before in kind of the same cycle. It was only about 11. Now, there's that old expression. I used to be editor of Popular Mechanics, so this came up a lot. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. What's broke about our current system? Why do you think it needs fixing? It's different. So so I'll say when you have like a general election, Maine has this whole history of independents and third parties doing quite well. Um, and when they adopted it, they, their last three governors had all won one of their elections with less than 40%, meaning that 60% had voted for someone else. And it really created this conversation like, huh, well, maybe not the right, the right candidate winning. And you can kind of march through each adoption and find something that they were fixing, whether it's an expensive runoff election, low turnout, unnecessary, you know, primary elections. Many voters are disinterested in politics already, not just disgusted, but but disinterested. Is this system more complicated or confusing than a simple X next to one person's name? What we're seeing and this it kind of resonates with me is that it's actually exciting. It's like more interesting to have this opportunity when you're not being required to rank, right? So you can just go in and vote for one just as you always have before. You're given a new opportunity to provide additional indications of what you think. And that in fact can be liberating. Like think back to any, like some of these big presidential fields that have been there, like the Republicans had so many candidates in 2016, Democrats in 2020, you have this only one vote and people are like angsting over what, how do I best use that one vote? And with ranked choice voting, you can say, well, I'll put my favorite first, my second favorite second, my third favorite third. And then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to everyone else and I'm going to stop. Just vote the way you actually are thinking rather than, um, you know, trying to make sure you're, you're outsmarting what everyone else is doing to use your one tick uh, as, as best as you can. 
you wrote in a, an editorial in the Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago that regardless of how you slice the map, the vast majority of Americans will live in landslide districts where either Republicans or Democrats win by overwhelming margins. How did we get there? And why is that such a big problem in your view? It's an intense problem and an intensifying problem, I would say, one that is getting worse every cycle. And that's because we are seeing this concept of the big sort, you know, it, you know whether it's physical movement where, you know, people are, are moving into Republican areas when they're Republican and Democratic areas when they're Democratic, or just the influence of your neighbors making you more likely to vote the other way, but or, or vote the same way as they do. So what you're starting to see is just, you know, more and more of the country locked into one side or the other at the same time that fewer and fewer people uh, change their vote between elections or even within the election, like splitting their ticket between president and Congress. Those shaping the districts know that and they can do in a very effective job kind of walling off the great majority of incumbent members of Congress from any chance of change. And so the idea of the people's house, the idea of being able to vote for whom you want and to get what you want from that um, is, you know, the consent of the governed, I, I think, is really challenged by that notion. Rob, Fair Vote, the group that you lead, not only supports ranked choice voting, but you also back the establishment of congressional districts with multiple representatives. How would that work? It's actually very common in our history. So we have, over time, have often not had single member districts for legislative elections. The single member district is where just one person represents an area, right? A multi-member district is, oh, it's bigger, and then you have more than one representative. Most localities actually have multi-member districts. I live in Maryland, and I have a three-member House district for our state legislature, and over 40 states as recently as the 1950s had multi-member districts. So that would be a second change, right? You got ranked choice voting, then, then you got multi-member districts where more than one person represents you. And then you put those together, ranked choice voting and multi-member districts, and you change winner take all to what's called a proportional system, meaning that like-minded voters can elect candidates in proportion to their voting strength. Um, and so you reliably get the left, center, and right represented. The majority wins the majority of seats. They just don't win all. And you, at the end of the day, have, you know, 80, 90 percent of voters actually helping elect someone to represent them. So, Rob, you argue that by having a lot more competitive districts, Congress itself would be changed. Let's take an example of how that might work. I live in Connecticut, which has five members of Congress. All are Democrats. Under the system you're advocating there might be a couple of Republicans in my state and then, say, more Democrats in deep red states. Yeah, because uh, about you know 40 percent of the state is Republican, so they'd have a real fighting chance to win two seats. And there'd also be ongoing choice within the parties that would be an opportunity for people to you know clarify what kind of Democrat they are or what kind of Republican they are or to think outside the two parties. Um, and what that means for representation is that if I'm a constituent of members of Congress, I now have someone of the Republican Party and someone of the Democratic Party who actually has an interest in what my community is getting and doing from Congress. And they together actually serve those people together. So they have a different interest 
to collaborate, at least on some things <laughs> that might affect the district. Your organization, Fair Vote, was founded 30 years ago, campaigning for ranked choice voting and proportional representation. That's a long time. When we started back in 92, there seemed a lot to fix in our politics. But when I look at what's changed since 92, it really has got dramatically worse in some key metrics. But here's one. Back then, about one in four House members represented a district that the other party's presidential candidate had actually carried in the district, right? So you had these split tickets where you would have, like in my part of Maryland, we had a, a moderate to liberal Republican. Connie Morella represented this area. You had a lot of Southern Democrats representing areas that Republican presidential candidates were winning and so on, kind of around the country. So you had people who were showing nuance in their votes, right? They were they were splitting tickets. They were looking for certain things. And now you will see almost none of that, right? It's down to, I don't know, about 10 members of Congress, literally, who represent a, a constituency that the other presidential nominee carried. So we're we're really in this winner-take-all environment. It's incredibly tense, and it's and the stakes seem very high. And every cycle, it's getting worse. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're speaking with Rob Ritchie of Fair Vote. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Now back to our interview. Rob, do you think it's inevitable that if ranked choice voting was adopted nationwide, that there'd be more success for moderate candidates? I, I don't want to paint this with a single brush. We're getting a lot of interest in using it in cities that are nonpartisan elections. Most of the uses are our cities, and they're often like a more efficient, like faster, cheaper, better. Let's get this in one election rather than two. In other words, there, there don't have to be runoffs on different dates. There don't have to be runoffs or in Utah, the system that other cities that don't have ranked choice voting, there's a bunch of cities now that in use it, 23 have signed up to use it in, in Utah just in the last couple of years. The cities that don't have like an August primary and then a November general election, all in a nonpartisan framework. And and a lot of the argument for those wanting to go to ranked choice voting is like, let's just have one election in November. That'll be quicker and and we can have all the choice when when more of us vote. Um, then you have these in Maine where, where it, it really does deal with the quote unquote spoiler problem of third parties like libertarians or greens or independents. And you those candidates can compete. They can run. They won't split the vote and kind of change the outcome. And so that invites people in. If you combine it with multi-member districts, then you're suddenly getting to a point where 
you reliably elect the left, center, and right of every given area. So yes, you'll you'll get more moderates, but you'll also you know you'll 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 get authentic people from from the bases of both parties also winning, um, but not out of proportion. Right now, they tend to they tend to get represented a little out of proportion, and and that that kind of factionalism is the root of a lot of the problems that we're having versus what I would call like a positive factionalism, which is kind of a more nuanced representation of the left, center, and right. Hand in hand with this problem that most people live in districts that are pretty solidly either Republican or Democratic goes the problem that most members of Congress are in pretty safe seats. If all of a sudden we are changing the way the districts are are delineated. I can imagine that for a member of Congress, this sounds really risky. They're a very predictable process now that they think can keep them in office, you know, for many terms to come, all of a sudden becomes a lot less predictable and a lot more likely to result in a in an outcome of some new candidate getting uh, a strong backing and endangering their their seat. Isn't that a big hurdle to getting uh, something like this through on a national level? I think that ranked choice voting as passed in Maine, Alaska, and a lot of these cities is one where you just need to have straightforward conversations with elected officials where you calm down their concerns and say, look, this does give voters more power. It, it means you, you do uh, have reasons to talk to more voters, but you're good at that. Like that's why you're in office. You know, you're, you're able to win with a fair system. And I, we, we have found that, that, that incumbents can learn to appreciate ranked choice voting and support it. I, I think the multi-member districts combined with ranked choice voting, while a challenge is addressing the heart of what's broken in Washington in a way that is affecting everyone who tries to operate in Washington. And what we're finding is that members, thoughtful members, and I think this can grow into kind of a, a bigger group of change makers who realize that sometimes you have to do what's right for the country to do what's right for yourself. Um, and we've seen this in our history, right? Women's suffrage doubled the size of the electorate and men passed it. And there are times when things that can be a little scary get done when there's a certain momentum and reason for change. Do you think that part of that momentum and reason for change is rising polarization and a sense that democracy in America really is threatened? I'm afraid that is exactly the case, right? And that's a real concern. Um, and I actually don't have a reassuring message that things are about to get better. I don't think they are until we really tackle the root cause of what's going on. And I think the root cause is winner take all single choice elections that have created incentives as manipulated by politicians and their consultants who have learned how to win under the current rules and the current rules drive the behavior. And I think that uh, we're in a very dangerous cycle right now. You've said, and it's kind of a general argument for ranked choice voting, that it will lead to more moderate kind of compromise candidates in general. Harvey Mansfield, a professor of government at Harvard, has an interesting argument that actually states something like the opposite. If I'm reading him correctly, he says that it rewards extremism in the electorate. And if I get this right, I think his idea is that if somebody has more radical ideology, 
it gives them a chance to vote for their more radical candidate as their first choice, and then maybe a more acceptable candidate as a second choice. So on the level of an individual voter, it doesn't really encourage them to, to moderate their viewpoint and think about voting for somebody who's generally appealing, but to actually want to make a statement in favor of this more radical position. How do you respond to that argument? Every change has arguments that you can legitimately make against it. So I think you're sort of comparing, you're not comparing it to perfection, you're comparing it to improvement. That said, I think that allowing voters to really vote for whom they want, however, to have to think about who their compromise choices are and for all the candidates to know that and have drives their behavior in ways that the winners, they learn how to talk to more voters and by doing so become more representative of them collectively. What we're seeing in you know the winner take all forms of ranked choice voting, like these mayoral races, is that candidates are not just winning in the final head-to-head, you know, 52 to 48, but they are also getting second and third choices from a lot of the people that voted for the candidate with 48%, right? The winner actually ends up being ranked first, second, or third by, you know, 65, 70% of people. That kind of consensus building just encourages representatives to, to think about more people. We've spent a good portion of this podcast explaining how ranked choice voting would work. How do you respond to critics who say, man, it's just too complicated? It's great to see evidence from the field to challenge that concern. New York City, you know, big city, um, mosaic of voters from, you know, many, many countries of origin of of first generation Americans and the middle of COVID and far more people voting in a primary election than it happened in, 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 in a generation. And 90% of them in their very first time with ranked choice voting chose to use more than one ranking. More than 70% told exit pollsters that they found that really easy to do. Virginia Republicans, first time use of it in a statewide election or you know, the, you know, in their statewide contest went very smoothly. Rob Ritchie of Fair Vote, thank you very much for joining us on How Do We Fix It? Thank you, Richard and Jim. It's a great conversation. Yeah, thanks. Coming next... Our recommendation. Hey, Jim, it's your turn to say something about what you're reading or watching or listening to. So what is it this week? I am listening to The Dishcast, Andrew Sullivan's podcast. It's tied in with his popular Substack column. Like so many uh, great journalists today, he's really left the security of major publications, in his case, uh, New York Magazine, and kind of headed out on his own. He was this shining star as a writer at the New Republic Magazine in the late 80s. He took over as editor of that magazine in the in the 90s. He was a leading voice for the moral, and you could even say the conservative case for gay marriage. And he has been ideologically all over the map through his career, but he's really mellowed into a consistently interesting, provocative thinker who has these great free-ranging conversations with some of the smartest people out there. And it's just, it's a pleasure to hear somebody this smart, this unafraid, this willing to throw out any opinion to grapple with all kinds of ideas. It's kind of what podcasts are all about. And so I'm really enjoying it. 
I agree. And one of the things I really like about Andrew Sullivan, both in his writing currently and on his podcast, he is very respectful of people who disagree with him and gives them time to explain their viewpoints. And, and that's unusual. Someday, maybe it's been done, somebody should write a history of the campaign for gay marriage and the arguments they used, which are similar to the arguments in the civil rights era that basically said there are fundamental rights in our constitution. Doesn't everyone deserve to be uh, treated equally? And marriage is an important institution. It contributes to the stability of society. Isn't that a wonderful thing that gay people want to be part of that as well? So it was an argument that respected the viewpoints of other people. It didn't belittle people. It didn't, you know, it wasn't divisive and it was so effective. So I really do. I agree with you. I think there are real lessons in this. Okay, James, we spent a lot more time than we usually do talking about our recommendation because it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's next do a quick chat, uh, 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 kind of wrap up on our interview with Rob Ritchie. I call myself the squishy libertarian. I'm going to squish out on this one. I think these arguments are really good. I think the counter arguments are interesting. I don't know how much weight to give this idea that you know, ranked choice voting in a way might let people sort of indulge their inner radical and vote in a sense kind of selfishly for the most extreme candidate that that kind of suits their fancy. So far, I mean, you know, in the this November, the outcome was interesting with Youngkin in Virginia and, and Eric Adams in New York. Certainly uh, not choices that should alarm somebody who's more conservative like me. But I'm going to take the somewhat conservative notion here that let's take this step by step. I think it's great that all these states want to experiment with it in cities. Let's keep doing that. Let different people decide for themselves what they want. I'm not necessarily going to get behind the idea that a national plan for ranked choice voting is that we're ready for it yet. I'd love to spend a little more time seeing how it works around the country, different versions, different flavors, and then I'll make up my mind. Can I put it off? Can I procrastinate a decision on this issue? <laughs> Well, surprise, surprise, I have a different view, which is that, that, that polarization, and I've said this before, is the biggest threat we face as a country. More people than was the case before don't seem to care whether we live in a democracy and, and aren't alarmed by the prospect of some kind of authoritarian regime, whether it comes from the left or the right. Uh, so I think the need for this is, is pretty great. If it does lead to more moderates and more nuance in our politics, I, I, th I think that's terrific. Uh, I accept that it's relatively new and that there may be concerns that this will increase support for third or fourth or fifth parties, but the system is broken. I'd like to see this expand and I'd like to see it tried. Having said that, I'm much more skeptical about uh, multi-member districts, which in some cases, like in Connecticut, where I live, could be statewide. And that means that instead of a representative in our district who many people know and are quite fond of, that we'd have these statewide remote 
members of Congress. I'm not crazy about that. So I'm going to split the difference and say yes to ranked choice voting and no or perhaps no to uh, multi-member districts. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. And I'm Richard Davies. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. And we're a production of Davies Content, podcast consultants for companies and nonprofits. Check out our website at DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. I'm really looking forward to hearing people's views on abortion, environmentalism, and immigration. The division makes me feel frustrated. A single news story can make me feel like I'm an expert on a topic, but a single discussion with someone who knows a lot more than me will make me very quickly realize I'm not. You just heard a clip from IDEOS Institute's documentary, Dialogue Lab America, premiering on January 5th as part of the National Day of Dialogue. Sign up to watch the film and join a nationwide movement of empathy and action. Visit www.nationaldayofdialogue.com. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.